Thank you for listening to the New Life Church podcast. If you need any information about our church or if you'd like to give online, please visit us at newlifekingman.com. I had an endeavor. I'm going to let you, your imagination, decide what that endeavor is. But you have a certain goal in this endeavor. And I tell you that if you will do what I say, you are 100% guaranteed success. Okay, now there's not a whole lot guaranteed in life. Some would say, well, death and taxes. But I can tell you if the rapture happens before we die, that ain't even a guarantee. And taxes are not a guarantee. It feels like it, but they're not. But I will tell you that there is something that is guaranteed. Oh, man, I feel the Holy Ghost in here. I am charged up. I am charged up. You know, anyone that sets their hands to do something, anything that you set your hand to do, you do not say, I'm going to do this and I hope I fail miserably. Okay, nobody does that. Nobody does that. We set our hands to do something, whatever that something is, and we want to succeed. We want it to be the best it can be. For some of us, that may be a phenomenal business or a lot of money or losing weight or getting healthier or winning a gold medal in the Olympics or just beating that team that you so badly want to beat. Maybe... You're a mom, and success to you would be for your kid to sleep more than one hour at a time. Okay? Or successful day potty training. Okay, all of us that are parents have been there, and wow, like celebrate the success of potty training. Well, let me tell you what, there are no guarantees, otherwise they wouldn't have adult diapers. Okay? (laughs) Nobody is guaranteed to make it all the time, all right? I was thinking about it. That's not even a guarantee in life. It is not guaranteed. There is nothing in life that is guaranteed. This world makes promises after promises after promises that it cannot keep. And when we are looking to the world to satisfy anything in our lives, we are looking in the wrong place. And we will always be disappointed. You may be on top for a while, but I guarantee you there's an upward side of that that mountain and there's a downward side of that mountain in this world. In this world, you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer, I've overcome the world. Those are Jesus' words. He says, I have overcome this world. I looked up, I Googled the word success. We, I, wow, over five billion hits, okay? Everybody wants to be successful. Nobody doesn't want to be successful. And we want guarantees. That's why when we buy things, we expect them to do what they say they're going to do. That's why we buy warranties. That's why we hire lawyers. Because there's no guarantee in this life. And so we have lawyers that will twist you into hundreds of pretzel knots with all the legalese just to make sure that you've covered the basis. You understand that large corporations spend billions of dollars making sure that people do what they say they're going to do. Why? Because nothing is guaranteed. And even at that, somebody finds a loophole. That is the world system, church. That is the world system. But I am telling you, the system of God is vastly different than the world system. But as I was looking, I found some cute little, oh, here we go, 100% success, guaranteed. And, whoops, 
Went too fast on that one. 100% guaranteed results, okay? How many of you bought a diet pill or a, a book or whatever that said you're gonna lose 50 pounds in 15 seconds and it's guaranteed success? 100% satisfaction guaranteed. Ever seen that label on something and gone, yeah, I don't think so. That was not satisfaction. It, you may have guaranteed it, but I don't have enough money to see you, so I'm stuck with it, but I'm not satisfied with it. Okay. But there is a formula, and I was reading this one day during my devotions in prayer, and this has been more than a year ago that I was reading this, and it leapt off the page at me because I realized, God, there is something that is guaranteed, and that is your word and what you promise us. But you know what? Success for a Christian is serving God well. Okay, we all have goals in life, and there's nothing wrong with goals in life. But for us here tonight, as believers in God, success looks like us looking like Christ. Okay? Now, I can say that, and you can go, well, I don't think I'm very successful at that. Okay, well, let me tell you, there is a way to be. And this so encouraged my heart because as I read this passage of scripture, I realized, God, you've given us a formula. And not only have you given us a formula, but you've empowered us to do it. Second Peter chapter one, verse three, by his divine power, God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. We have received all of this by coming to know him, the one who called us to himself by means of his marvelous glory and excellence. Verse four. And because of his glory and excellence, he has given us great and precious promises. These are the promises that enable you to share his divine nature and escape the world's corruption caused by human desires. Church, God's given us everything we need. Everything. That's the word of God, okay? That's not just some book. That's not some commentary. That is the word of God, uncut word of God. And he's giving us the ability to escape the world's corruption by human desires. I did a little bit of a word study because I'm kind of a geek that way. And I looked up the word his. Okay, you would read all of that and you would think, why would you look up that word? It jumped off the page at me and I looked it up. And the word his, where it says because of his glory and excellence, that word has the connotation of family. It has a connotation of sharing it. See, God is not, he is not a hog. He doesn't hog all the goodness to himself. The reason Jesus came and did what he did is because he wants to share that goodness with us. And so we get to share in his glory and excellence. We get to escape the world's corruption because of what he did, not because of what we do. Another word that jumped off the page at me was glory. And that is honor and divine splendor. And excellence is virtue or moral excellence. So we get to share his divine nature. We share that, church. We are empowered to do so much more than we realize because we're living in a world that is constantly kicking us in the face, constantly kicking our teeth in, and every time we turn around, something's not going right. And so because we live with that bombardment all day, every day, 
we forget the goodness of God. That's part of the reason why we come to church more than once a week is because we need that encouragement. We need to come together with the body of believers and be encouraged together as we lift each other up, as we encourage one another, as we come in counted downtrodden and the worship team leads us in amazing worship. And we can be encouraged again to go on back out into that world because we do have to live in this world. But he's overcome it. The passage in 2 Peter goes on to say, oh, oh, goodness, it's a sensitive little clicker. Okay, I'm not touching it. Verse 5, in view of all this, in view of all this, okay, we have God's divine nature. Make every effort to respond to God's promises. Supplement your faith with a generous provision of moral excellence and moral excellence with knowledge and knowledge with self-control, and self-control with patient endurance, and patient endurance with godliness, and godliness with brother brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love for everyone. Now that's quite a mouthful, and there's a lot of stuff there. And so what I've done is I've kind of, the, the proper term is exegete, but what I've done is I've just kind of picked through it, and again, Ask the Lord to speak to me. What, what do you want to say to us in this? What do you want to say to us? When Paul says to make every effort, he says contribute. That's what he says. Basically contribute. And it strongly stresses the need of the believer's deep personal involvement in faith life. Okay? We need to be involved in it. We've got to make choices to make these decisions to do the things God is saying here. Faith is trust and confidence, and that is always a gift from God. None of us can muster up faith that we don't have. The faith that God gives us is all that we have. Romans 12, 3 says, God has given to each a measure of faith. Okay, so God doesn't have favorites. Everybody has the measure of faith. We have to choose what to do with it. And faith is kind of like a muscle. We're all born with muscles. Some of us choose to use them, some of us don't. And so if we choose not to use them, they atrophy. That's what happens with our faith. If we don't walk in trusting God, if we don't walk in these things that he's asked us to walk in, then our faith begins to atrophy because it's not being used. So we contribute deep personal involvement to our faith and a generous portion of moral excellence is virtue, basically. And it means goodness or uprightness. And if you remember back in verse 3, God uses that word to describe himself. So we get to take his moral excellence on ourselves. That becomes our nature. Because Jesus chose to give that to us. We just have to use it. The knowledge part is getting to know God. That's a word called gnosis, and it means a working knowledge of God's wisdom through direct relationship with him. If the only time you encounter God is in church, you're in big trouble. You have to have a deep personal relationship with him. You have to talk to him on a regular basis. And I hear people say, I don't have time to pray. I've had people say, I don't have an hour or two a day to pray and do devotions. Who said you had to do an hour or two a day? I don't see that in scripture. I see a devotion to the things of God and a willingness to do something about maintaining relationship with him. 
You deal with him, that's between you and him. That's not anybody here telling you, you have to put in this much time and we're gonna monitor you and you're on a time clock. That's not the way the Holy Spirit works. Think about what he can do with you in a few moments in a worship service. Think about what he can do. Put on a worship song and let him minister to you and encourage you and lift you up. It does not have to be hard. He has empowered us to do this. And then it goes on to talk about self-control. That is self-restraint. That is one of the fruits of the spirit. And it has the connotation, this was interesting to me, self-control has the connotation of dominion within. Okay, think about it. If you are victorious on the inside, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Uh, as I believe Pastor Howard used to say this, what is in the well comes up in the bucket. Okay, it's a, a really good word picture of what it looks like. What you got in you is what's coming out of you. And so if you're putting good things in you, if you're disciplining yourself and you're controlling the inward, the thoughts and the intents of the heart, then what's coming out of you is good things. It goes on to talk about perseverance, which is basically staying the course, even under the challenges of life. We sang so much tonight about the hope that is in us. We get the hope of glory from God. We don't do that ourselves. Godliness, piety, devotion, show, it shows itself through respect and reverence of the things of God. And then brotherly kindness, that is the word Philadelphia, which is brotherly love, love of fellow believers, cherishing each other. And I know that every single one of us in this place, there have been times where we don't particularly feel like cherishing that brother or sister very much because they're annoying the daylights out of us. But Pastor John has said this many times recently and it has really stirred in me. My relationship with you is far more valuable than my need to be right. Let that sink in. My relationship with you is far more valuable than my need to be right. Do you know that the Holy Spirit desires unity in the brethren? Do you know that Jesus died for people at their ugliest? He died for us. He wants us to love one another well and stop making it about being right. Because being right with someone is so much more important than being right. That it almost... I almost gag on those words as I say them. I'm just being honest with you. Sometimes that's really rough. It's like, okay, yeah, no, you're wrong. No, no, I'm right about this. And it, it's like, ah. Oh. I'm biting my tongue so hard that it's bleeding. I'm about ready to bite it off. Okay, I know you relate to that. It is so difficult, especially when the other person is so wrong. It's like, you're just so wrong. I have to show you how right I am and how wrong you are. That is not brotherly love. That is difficult. But remember, he's given us the ability to do it. And then the last thing he says is love for everyone. Okay, that word is agape. If you've never heard that term, that is God-like love. That is pure love. That is perfect love. Okay, now how do we do that? only in the power of the Holy Spirit. That is the only way we are able to do that kind of love. So if you look at this again, okay, as we progress through this, do you realize that this is actually a progressive thing? 
Okay. It starts out with, by his divine power, he gives us everything we need. Okay. So we receive this by coming to know him. So if you know Christ, you have this. If you don't know Christ, you need to meet him tonight because then you can have this. Then he calls us to himself by his marvelous glory and excellence. Because of his glory and excellence, he's given us great and precious promises. These are promises that enable, that's the word, enable you to share his divine nature and escape the world's corruption. Okay, so there you go. In view of all this, make every effort to respond to God's promises. Supplement your faith. Remember, he gives us the measure of faith. Supplement your faith with a generous provision of moral excellence or virtue. And then the virtue, supplement it with knowledge, knowledge of God. Then supplement that knowledge with self-control. Do you see the progression here? Okay, he gives us the measure of faith. He has fully equipped us to do this. But then he wants us to respond to that faith and begin to exercise it by walking in virtue, growing in knowledge of him, using self-control, and then patient endurance. Patient endurance with life, patient endurance with one another, then brotherly love or godliness first, godliness. And as you can see, as we do this, we're becoming more and more like God. That means we're becoming more godly. Then brotherly affection or brotherly love, which is Philadelphia. That is making room for one another's faults. And then finally, with love like God loves, okay? That does not come overnight. That is a, that is a progression. But it is promised to us that as we take these steps, we will achieve these things, okay? So, oh, hallelujah, God, that we would get this, that I would get this, Lord, that I would live this. He encourages us, he equips us, and he empowers us. But we have to choose. We have to choose, okay? Now, he encourages us, he empowers us and he equips us. We just have to choose to walk in it. Do you understand that? I, again, I hesitate to say this because I get the feeling that I'm going to end up having to put my money where my mouth is. This isn't that hard. Why do we make it so hard? Why do we make it so hard? I mean, I know I make it really hard. I make it really hard because I always have to have my need to be right. And I don't need to be right. Dear God, help us that we don't have to be right. We need to be right with each other, right with God, not right. Tonight we sang that song, I Raise a Hallelujah. And one of the lines is, louder than the unbelief. Church, when we live in this world, there is so much that our enemy would throw at us. Just life itself is sometimes so unkind and sometimes so difficult. You know, I read the story of when this song was written and it was the worship leader that wrote the song. It was his friend and their friends that both of their children were very, very sick. One of them, they didn't even know if he would live the night. Very sick. And he sat there and all of a sudden this song began to birth out of him because his friend had texted him and said, we don't know if he's going to live the night. They're not giving us a lot of hope. And he said, I raise a hallelujah louder than the unbelief. 
Is there unbelief? Yes. Is there a challenge? Yes. We live in a fallen world, church. We live with challenges every day, gut-wrenching, heart-breaking challenges, sometimes to where you can't get air. But he says, if you'll raise a hallelujah above the storm and the absolute screaming lies of the enemy and the hatefulness of the world, if you will raise a standard against that. He said, I've done it for you. I just want you to walk in it. I want you to trust me. I want you to partner with me. I've given you the faith. Now exercise it. Walk in it. Choose to do the things that I'm challenging you to do, and you will have guaranteed success. Guaranteed victory. Walking and looking like Christ. You know, I've seen so many people over the years through counseling and pastoring and just doing church. Years ago, Jeff and I were pastoring in Las Vegas and um, there was a whole lot going on. Let me tell you, Vegas is a rough city, man. It kicked our butts big time. And um, we were struggling so much and there were other pastors up there that we were partnering with. And every time we turned around, they were dropping like flies and marriages, their marriages were, were dissolving and their churches were falling apart, and it, it just, it broke our hearts. We were being kicked in the teeth the same. And years later, I remember sitting with a counselor saying, I don't understand why we made it, and they didn't. And he said, because you chose to. And I said, chose to? I said, my gosh, I mean, they love the Lord. We love the Lord. It, there wasn't like an extra measure. We were not like made of really special dirt or anything. We were struggling, but in the midst of those awful things that were happening, in the midst of the pain and the trials, I just said, Lord, I choose you. I choose you. I don't know what else to do. And I mean, there were times where I thought I was losing my mind. But in the midst of it, I knew that God was good. And through my relationship with him, and this is where I encourage you, church, through building relationship with God, through getting to know him and knowledge about him and choosing to walk a godly life and choosing to represent him well in the earth, through that, you will find your victory. Even when life is kicking your rear end up between your shoulders, you will still see victory because we win in the end, church. We win. Did you read the end of the book? I read the end of the book. We win. Okay? Jesus said, it is finished. And guess what? When my God tells you, devil, you're finished, you are finished. I will not take this from you anymore. And you know what? Life, life is tough. Life is full of tribulation. But I don't have to take it. And I choose, even when I'm facing unbelief in my life, I choose to raise a hallelujah louder than that unbelief. I will do that, God, because you are a good God and I know it. No matter what the enemy tries to tell me, I know you are good. Amen. Hallelujah. We can walk in victory 100% guaranteed, but we have to choose. That is our part, is making that choice to take that step and then line upon line and precept upon precept, one foot in front of the other. Do you know, church, God does not despise our baby steps. 
he relishes. Do you remember when your child first took a step and you told the whole world, oh my gosh, oh, the baby walked, the baby, she went like this, boom, landed on her butt. But that was such a celebration. If you think that we as parents can outdo God's celebration over what we do, think again. God glories in when we take a step toward him, a step toward looking more like him, a step toward representing him well in the earth, a step toward sharing our faith, a step toward spending more time with him, whatever your challenge is, when we take those steps toward him, he glories in that. He loves it. As a proud parent, he loves our baby steps, whatever they look like. Be encouraged, church. God is not looking for perfection. He is only looking for progress. And sometimes we take two steps forward and one step back. And even in that, that's what grace and mercy is all about is when we go, wow, I really blew that. Okay, so now what are you going to do with it? Well, I'm going to get up off my rear end, and I'm going to take some steps forward, and I'm not going to let the enemy or the world defeat me. I'm not even going to let me defeat me. I'm not going to do it. I choose to represent him well. Boy, I got so off my notes. Just ignore all these, because I was going to go through all these words when we talked about it, but guess what? Here we are. Second Peter 1. This is, we're going on from verse 7. Now we're at 8 and 9. The more you grow like this, the more productive and useful you will be in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Isn't that the goal? Don't we want to look more like him? But those who fail to develop in this way are short-sighted or blind, forgetting that they have been cleansed from their old sins. See, that's what happens, church. We slip up, we make a mistake, we're struggling, and we forget that we've been blood bought and washed. And when we do that, we go, you know what? I've been cleansed from that old sin, devil. And I may have tripped up and I may have made a mistake, but I have been cleansed from that sin and I will not let you dirty me with it again. I won't. I refuse to let you dirty me with with those old sins because they are gone. They are no longer a part of my nature. I am a child of the living God and I will not wallow around in that anymore. I've been there. I know what that's like. No, thank you. Verses 10 and 11. So dear brothers and sisters, work hard to prove that you really are among those God has called and chosen. Man, some days, don't you just wonder about yourself? I go, wow, Lord, am I among those that you called and chosen? Yes and amen, I am. Do these things and you will never fall away. There is the guarantee. There is the guarantee. Then God will give you a grand entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Church, no matter what life is throwing our way, we have that hope of eternal glory. We know that the promise is coming. And while we can live victoriously here, we still have to live in the battle zone. We're still in the battle zone. We're still battling the flesh. We still live in a fleshly body that tempts us with things that we ought not do. And, and we, we battle thoughts. We battle a lot of things. But if we will do these things, if we will take the measure of faith that God has given us, if we will exercise that faith and make that progression through the things that he says to do, we will never fall away. Now, let me just caution, because if you think this is about you in any way, shape, or form, it is not. 
It is a work of the cross. It is the blood of Jesus that cleanses us from all sin. Nothing we can do can cleanse us from sin. What we do brings us closer to godliness. That's what the walk is. That's the sanctification process. That is what happens in us. Every time we choose righteousness over the the things of the world, we look at the world and we go, this is corrupt. This is not something I want. I don't want to be this. I want to represent you, God. I want to live for you. I want to look like you. I want someone to look at me and say, she looks just like her daddy. That's what I want, God. That's what I want. She looks just like her daddy. And he says that he's made us in his image. Do you see how the enemy robs us of all these wonderful things? Oh, Jesus. What a glorious promise that he will give us a grand entrance into the eternal kingdom. And while we still have to struggle here and now, we still have to live where we are and do what we do. We have to make this work. We have to make this life work. But he's equipped us to do it. You know, he didn't come down, walk, get born. By the way, an unborn child is one of the most vulnerable creatures on the planet. He came as one for us. Then we know how vulnerable being a child is because Herod was determined to kill the brother to the point where he sent and had hundreds, thousands, we don't know what the number was, babies murdered because he wanted to make sure that he got this guy that was supposedly the next king. So what a vulnerable place he put himself for us. Then he walked sinless in a sin-filled world and he allowed sinful man to crucify him. A horrible death, whipped, whipped for us. Bloodshed, stripes for our healing. That's what he did for us. And then he said, guess what? I did this for you. I've given you the measure of faith. I have paid the price. Now all I want you to do is choose. I want you to choose to exercise your faith. I'm not looking for perfection. I just want you to walk toward me. And then as a perfect parent, we're not perfect parents. And we rejoice in our children's little successes. We rejoice. How much more does our perfect parent rejoice in our little successes? No matter how small they are, how much does he rejoice in that? And so we need to choose to walk in that. We need to choose to allow the Holy Spirit to minister to us when we take a little step in the right direction. Celebrate that victory. You made a choice and it was a good one. Celebrate that. Don't let the enemy tell you, oh, don't get all puffed up with pride. Hey, my daddy's proud of me. If my daddy's proud of me, I can be proud of me. We're not talking about pride in the fact that we muscled up and got it done. No, we are taking pride in the fact that God empowered us and we made a choice to use that power to become more like him. So I've asked Jason if he would come up. 2 Corinthians 1.20. In 2 Corinthians, Paul is talking to the church at Corinth and um, he's telling them, he's listing it in, in chapter one. He's listing all the things that they've battled and how, mu- how hard the world can be sometimes to us and how much we struggle with things in our lives. Shipwrecked and, and left for dead and all these awful things Paul has talked about, all the things that he's faced. But in 2 Corinthians 1.20, he basically says, his promises are yes and amen. We know God is good. If you don't know God is good, 
then you need to meet him tonight because he is good. And you look around you and you go, but this world, my gosh, would a loving God do this? No, a loving God didn't do this. Sin did this. And so we're living with the consequences of that. But in the midst of it, Jesus came, died sinless, so that we would no longer be under the curse of sin. And when we accept him as our savior, he comes into our lives and he gives us all these precious promises. And he just says, I'm giving you faith. Now I want you to walk in it. I want you to trust me. And when you're struggling, I want you to know that I've empowered you. When you're struggling, I want you to know that I'm with you. He doesn't come down. He didn't come down. Okay, when Jesus rose, okay, he, he was crucified. He rose on the third day. And he walked the earth and his disciples saw him. And he told them, he goes, okay, I'm leaving. And they're like, what? He goes, no, 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 I'm, I'm not leaving you alone. I'm sending you a comforter. I'm sending you the Holy Spirit. So he did not come down here, walk a sinless life, die for us and go, all right, figure it out. Sink or swim, hope you make it. That was not the heart of God. He has not left us alone. He, has, he empowers us. He fills us with his Holy Spirit and he empowers us to walk victorious every single day, every moment of every day, every nanosecond of every moment, he is with us. The world would try to lie to us. Circumstances would try to tell us that that's not true. But he is such a good God. Church, he loves you so much. I know that tonight there are those in here that are really struggling with some things. <coughs> the world is just mean. It's mean. And sometimes the things that happen to us, we just, we go, why? Why? Because we live in a fallen world and the world is mean. But God is good and his promises are yes and amen. We're gonna sing this song tonight. Yes and amen. I asked Jason specifically, would you stand tonight? Hallelujah. Oh, God, you're so good. Let your people sense you tonight, God. Encourage their hearts, God. And the Father of kindness, you have for our grace. You brought me out of darkness, you have filled me with peace, giver of mercy, you're my help in time of need. Lord, I can't help but sing. Faithful, you are.
the Savior you have brought me near. You pulled me from the ashes, you have broken every curse. Every curse is Blessed Redeemer, you have sent this captivity. You just want to come down and worship with us. Come on now.
Oh, that they would know your faithfulness, that they would know your goodness, God. Help us to trust in your faithfulness. Help us, God, to rest on your promises because they are yes and amen. God, that we would go from this place tonight encouraged, equipped, and empowered because that's your promise, God. That we would go tonight ready to do battle. But God, even that, the battle is won. You've already won the battle, God. Help us to rest in who you are, in our knowledge of you. God, as we take baby steps towards you, Lord God, that you would bring courage and hope, God, Jesus, we thank you so much. God, I pray for healing of broken hearts in this place tonight, Lord God. Every broken heart mended, mended, God. That as your people seek your face, Lord God, that you would minister to them in ways that they've never experienced. A new awakening, God, in this place of your goodness and your knowledge, God, and who you are. God, that as relationships with you are built, Lord God, that you would rule and reign and minister in hearts and lives. We thank you so much for this tonight. And Lord, I pray especially tonight if there's someone here that doesn't know you, that they would reach out, that they would repent of their sins and turn to you because you are such a great God and such a loving Father. And that they would turn to you and allow you to save them and set them free from the bondages of this world, God. Thank you, Lord, that the curse of sin can be broken in every heart and life in this place. And God, that you would go with us, encouraged, lifted up, and empowered, God. We thank you for this, Lord. We are always careful, God, to give you all the praise and the glory because it belongs to you and you alone. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, church. Isn't he good? God is so good. Hallelujah. We're releasing you tonight. Go encouraged, empowered, and equipped. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the New Life Kingman podcast. We can't wait to see you next week.